Uh, let's pray and let's get moving. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to come and study your word. I pray that um, um, this will be entirely about you. The message will be all about you. That uh, you will get out only your message. And nothing will come out that's, that's about me or personal. Um, let it be all about you, Lord. Help us to get, draw closer from you, uh, to you from this. And uh, may you be honored in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read... Um, Talking about the call of Abraham today, Genesis chapter 12. Um, I volunteered to teach this because it has a special place in my heart. And um, there, there is no handouts today. Um, the lesson that I had prepared, um, the Lord at his discretion uh, decided to change my message at the last minute. Um, so my notes don't really go with exactly where I'm going, <laughs> but I have sent them to um, Jim, who will probably post those notes on the Sunday School website. I, I requested the call of Abraham. Six years ago, I went on my first tour in Israel, and it did change my life. Um, it was a real blessing. Uh, one of the things that we'll be doing on this tour, same thing I did on mine, is we'll spend a little time, um, a few hours on one of the days in the middle of the tour, serving on one of the ministries there. And um, on the very, um, one of the things that some of the men were asked to do was to share the gifts that were being given. And they gave me a line, and that's what it was to me. It was a line that s said, uh, this is a gift of love um, from so-and-so and to welcome you to Israel. And I, I listened to all these guys you know, they'd let guys do five or six. And, and the very last, last group, they said, Terry, you need to come up and do this. And I said, I, I don't want to do that. And uh, he said, no, you need to come up and do this. So I went up, and I'm given the line. I get to the end, and I say, this is a gift of love from so-and-so. And the lady just starts bawling. And I'm just standing there, and she says, I never would have believed anybody would love the Jewish people. And that changed me. That really changed me. And because of that, I started getting more interested in things like this, the passage that we're reading today, the call of Abraham. Um, why the Jewish people? I, I went to work with the International Board of Jewish Missions because it was a job, not because of any great burden. And, and the Lord has changed my heart, and he's given me a burden that I never realized. And looking back, I can see stepping stones he's put in my path to bring me here, but I never saw those uh, until I first went to Israel. So I hope you join me. We're going to read it, um, and I'm going to ask Zeke to read uh, chapter 12 for us, and we'll go on from there. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in, all, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired
Tyre and Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the Terebinth tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountains east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and high on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he, he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. So it was when Abram came into Egypt, and the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say, She is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Let, let me ask a quick question of all of you. A um, couple answers, volunteers. When you think of Abraham, what do you think of? Leader of Israel? Father of faith? Anybody else? We, um, I'm going to deal with the call of Abraham briefly, but I want to talk about this whole faith issue. Um, the Bible tells us over and over again about Abraham's faithfulness. Um, James chapter 2 says he was a friend of God. Um, God calls him in Isaiah 44, my friend forever. Um, Psalm 78 talks about his friendship and faithfulness. Um, we go from stories from the very youngest about the faith of Abraham, this superman of faith. You read about it. Uh, Hebrews 11 lists several passages about the faith of Abraham and how faithful he was in, in that faith chapter. Um, I want to talk about that in detail in just a minute. When I read this passage, um, I was putting together some thoughts and questions and wanted to focus on the call of Abraham. Uh, when Jim gave it to me, that, that, that was the name of the lesson. I said, okay, we'll focus on the call of Abraham. And um, I'm going to deal with that first. And then we're going to come back to this faith thing. Um, I want to give a little bit different perspective that hopefully 
maybe you've never heard before. Um, maybe it'll give you a different view on Abraham. Um, I get questions from, um, Jim gets questions from various people. I got a couple different people that sent me some questions and uh, um, made me think. And one of them, which again I will deal with in a minute, was why Abraham? What made him so special? Because he's this great man of faith, right? Um, we're going to come back to that. question that I had was, why couldn't God just bless him and give him the land right there in his home? Why send him somewhere else? Um, let me read you an excerpt from uh, Haley's Bible Handbook. It's talking about the land where he came from. When God called Abram, he was in a city in Babylonia named Ur of the Chaldees. Ur was a very advanced city, was believed to have been founded some 500 years before the time of Abraham. Ur could be compared to a modern city having libraries, schools, a system of law. It was a rich city, and many valuable treasures have been discovered, including elaborate jewelry. The false religion of astrology, which was begun at Babel, was practiced there as was in Babylonia. Abraham's father, Terah, according to Joshua 24.2, worshipped idols. Jewish tradition refers to Terah as an idol maker. Ur was an idolatrous city worshipping many different gods, such as the god of fire, moon, sun, and stars. The chief idol deity of Ur was named Thin. How about that? Ningal was the wife of the moon god, Sin, and was worshipped as a mother god from that point on throughout many civilizations. Ur was an evil and sinful city as can be seen in the worship practices of the moon goddess Ningal. We're always a product of our environment. Um, God can do great things in spite of your environment in your life. And I thought, okay, it's, it's you know, rough city, right? This last sentence caught me. Every female in the city at some time in her life would have to take her turn in serving as a priestess prostitute in the temples. How's that go over in trying to keep your walk good with God? That'd be a little difficult, wouldn't it? So God calls him out of, away from his family um, who were idolaters. In fact, when his grandson, Abraham's grandson, goes back many, many years later uh, to run away from his brother Esau, they were still worshiping idols. He tells us in the scriptures. Um, they were avid idol worshipers. That would have had an impact probably upon, upon Abraham. So God calls him away. And he gives him this, this thing called the, that we refer to as the call of Abraham. Um, we get the highlights in chapter 12 here of what was put in place called the Abrahamic Covenant. And he makes several promises. Now, without, without any dissent, every commentator I could find said that the promises that were enlisted and given to Abraham were clearly given not only to him but to his descendants. The fact is that most of these promises given to Abraham he never saw in his lifetime.
said in verse 2, um, verses 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. and You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He said, I'll make you a great nation. He never saw that. Um, you may argue from chapter 14, him and his whole household went against five, uh, four, four different kings at one time and won. Um, you could kind of justify that a little bit. Um, but his descendants, the ones that were recognized, have been recognized as a nation, both, both in history past and currently today. Um, God has really done something with them. Just look at all the, all the people who, who've opposed them over the years. That's why I wear this shirt. Um, you don't want to mess with Israel. He said, I will bless you and make your name great. Here we are 4,000 years later, and we still revere Abraham. The three major religions of the world revere Abraham. Um, he said, I will bless you. I think he's truly blessed the Jewish people um, in, in many ways. So often throughout various societies that, that Jews have settled in, They've been very, very successful in whatever they've done. Um, it doesn't matter. A big part of Hitler's programs was because the Jews were so successful in Europe. And, and it so infuriated him. And that is one of the several reasons he went after them and wanted to get them out. They were very successful in numerous different areas. And, uh, and he was very opposed to that. Um, <clears throat> he says, you shall be a blessing. Uh, Abraham was gracious merciful, self-sacrificing, giving in his lifetime, I'm, sure he, I'm very sure he was a blessing. Um, but the Jewish people also. Um, says, I will make you a blessing. In spite of what all the Jewish people have been through through the years, it amazes me at how many Jewish people become comics and retain their sense of humor. Comics. Yeah. We have an inordinate amount of, of Jewish people who are comics, actors, singers, successful in finance, in math, in, in uh, um, science. Um, one of the ways that the world uh, judges or, or um, uh, assesses um, success is through various rewards, one of the top being the Nobel Prize. Let me give you... Let me give you a comparison. Uh, approximately 25% um, of the world's population is Muslim. The Nobel Prize is one of the most prized possessions as the world sees it for something of accomplishment. This 25% of the po world's population, over the years, they've received six Nobel Prizes. Pretty tiny, isn't it, in consideration? Look at Israel, 0.2% of the world's population. Clearly 100 times less population. Anyone want to guess how many Nobel Prizes have been awarded to Jews? Six to 700. 
Um, we have Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> that we do. <laughs> I will bless him that blesses you. I will curse him that curses you. Um, this passage is one that Jewish people themselves know very well. And I use this when I talk to them in Israel. Um, um, when we're giving out uh, food baskets and blankets to, to poor Jewish folks in Israel. Um, I share this verse, and I request, because they know this verse. They know it very well, and uh, very prideful people. And I request their permission to allow us to be a blessing. Um, um, I think you can test this verse. I test it on the blessed side, not the cursed side. Um, just ask any of these nations right here. Um, the final part of of the call that's listed in 12. I'm sure we'll go over more of this in the Abrahamic covenant in the days to come because chapter 15, chapter 22, chapter 26 lays out more in detail uh, of the Abrahamic covenant, of the promises of the land, of the promises of, of the blessings that, that God is going to bestow in more specific manners. Um, but the last part of the blessing that's listed here in chapter 12 says... Um, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. A clear promise of the Messiah. Um, somebody turn to um, Galatians 3 for me. Someone gets there, read verses 8 and 9. Go ahead. 3, 8, and 9. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham. So they have faith. He calls this part of the call of Abraham, through you all the families of the earth shall be blessed, the gospel that he was given to Abraham, the good news, the promise of the Messiah. I'll cover the rest of the chapter in this one thing. I want to talk about Abraham himself, the man of faith. Um, several things have been said to me as I was getting ready for this lesson. But one stuck out in my mind and I couldn't get past. And I appreciate the person who sent that. They said, why Abraham? What makes him so special? Um, someone said, well, he was the first Jew. Well, he was a Gentile. What made him the first Jew was God's covenant and his, his obedience. But he was a, someone pulled out of the Gentiles. Um, why Abraham? Well, I had another person tell me, well, man, he was so faithful. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is, stands up to speak the time he gets stoned. Clearly inspired by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as you read that passage. And he says, the call of Abraham came to him in Ur of the Chaldees, in his home of Ur of the Chaldees. 
What we just read in the call in verse 4 says, and so he left Haran. He had already left Ur of the Chaldees in chapter 11. In fact, go back to chapter 11. Stephen said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that he got this call in Ur. Luke, inspired by the Spirit to write, said, here's what Stephen said. This is where the call is. So he gets the call in chapter 11. Verse 31 says, And Terah, that's his father, took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, uh, his son's son, and Sarai, his, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. Why were they going? Well, they've gotten the call, or Abraham's gotten the call, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. So Abraham gets this call, and immediately this great man of faith leaves as the call is given, leaves his homeland, leaves his family, goes to Canaan, right? No. In fact, from that passage, it's his father says, okay, let's go. And they go to Haran, halfway there, to another very wealthy city. And they lived there until Abraham's father died. So then we come to chapter 12, and here's this call listed again. And he says, I want you to leave your family, leave your homeland, and go to a place that I promised you. So he leaves all his family and goes and settles down in Canaan, right? No, he takes part of his family with him. He takes Lot, his nephew. Well, he's only taken Lot because Lot's a very spiritual man, very godly man, and the influence would be good on him. Yeah. Most of you know from Lot's life he wasn't an overly spiritual man. Um, so he takes his family. He goes, and it says he goes through Canaan, all the way to the south. He's gone all the way through the land of Canaan before he stops. And he says, okay, it's time to, um, I, I need to stop and worship God. That's great. But what took you so long? Um, God reiterates his promise. He worships God. It says then he continues going south says, then there's a famine in the land. So he goes to Egypt. Because God told him. Because God couldn't provide for him during that famine in the land of promise. His faithful Abraham. I don't think any part of his going to Egypt was of God. His going to Egypt was, I think, total disobedience. Um, his going to Egypt as a result, asking his wife to lie on his behalf, um, cursing Pharaoh because of, of the lies of Abraham. And what did he come back with? He came back with extra baggage. Sarah had a handmaid, hand, handmaiden named Hagar. And you all know the story of 
him with Hagar. He doubted again. There was some doubt as to whether he was going to have that child through Sarah. And she says, have it through my handmaid. And the birth of who? Yeah, which resulted in who's Ishmael's descendants? Arab, Arab people. He lies in Egypt. He comes back to Canaan. He lies again. Tells his wife to, to not say you're my wife. By the time they got to Egypt, she must have been incredible because she's 60 years old. Um, just a thought. I, I just... <laughs> trying to picture that you know <laughs> we look at the call of Abraham and God saying to leave and he left we look at the sacrifice of Isaac tremendous step of faith but there was this whole process in between and the Bible gives us a whole bunch of Abraham's failings. His faith grew. It wasn't an all-at-once thing. He's not this superhuman person that, oh, I wish I could have the faith of Abraham. Probably most of us in this room can attest I have greater faith than the day I got saved. I can look back at trials that I went through Failures and successes both, and think, wow, that wasn't really much of a trial. Well, now, the trials are a little different now. But back then, they were tough. The story of Abraham is the story of every one of us. It's a call of grace. Abraham didn't get called because he was this great man of faith. Why did God choose them? Why did God choose the Jewish people? Deuteronomy 7 says, has nothing to do with your greatness. Um, certainly had nothing to do with their obedience. Had nothing to do with their holiness. Deuteronomy 7 says, I chose you because I love you. Why does he choose you and me? Did he choose you because of your great faith? God said, David, you're going to be a great asset. I can really use you on my team. Right? When I came down here from uh, northern Virginia, um, I had an Abraham-like experience. I knew without a doubt God was telling me, I need you to go and study my word. I didn't have a clue how to open up the Bible and read. I didn't have a clue. I, I tried at least five different times, starting in Genesis. Made it all the way to Deuteronomy one time. But I thought, this just has nothing for me. Had no clue. And God said, I want you to come down here and go to school. And I quit my job. No job lined up. Came down here to go to school on, on the massive 
savings that I had, had put together of $1,000. Found an apartment, enrolled in school. Um, I look back and think, well, you know, that was a successful. But I can look back on numerous others that said, boy, I really messed that one up. Thing was, Abraham kept going. And he kept growing. And he kept getting up. And that's the same for each one of us. He's not this man that, that we revere because that's my, my goal because I, I would like to be like that and I just know I can't. Every time it's a process. Every single time. He didn't quit. Wrong page. That's right. Jim always asks me to um, give you what he does um, in the um, layout of his lessons. He says, what's the point of the lesson? One, many of God's promises to Abraham, they were never seen by Abraham. This great nation that would come from him, multitude, he saw a son. Son of promise. The land. He never owned any land in the land of Canaan except for one cave that he purchased for the burial of his wife. It's the only land he ever owned. Lived in a tent all of his life. God's call was that of grace, not because Abraham deserved it. Same with us. It's not the Jew that deserved to be God's chosen people. It's not you and I that deserve to be called by God. God still calls Abraham's today, every day. Calls us to a life of faithfulness. So what am I supposed to do with that? A couple things. Don't live life based on what God has done for me lately. We have a lot of promises that are in God's word that we can cling to, we won't get to see this, this side of heaven. A lot of future promises. Two, you trust him at his word. What he says is going to come to pass. You rest in his promises, seen or not. You trust him. Get into his word. Don't necessarily start in Genesis and try to go all the way through. And you do what Abraham did. You only trust him at his word, you obey. Sometimes he didn't do so well. Sometimes he did great. And it was a process of growing. It's the same for you and me. And we are the Abrahams of today. That's what God shared with me to share with you today. Thank you for your time.